0: So I hope your heart is prepared this morning, and I hope you are ready, because we're going to have an alignment this morning. It's going to be a free alignment. It's from God, and it's gonna, He's going to align our hearts for what matters most, because everything that we've already prayed about and talked about this morning in just this little bit of time, the time is now, the hour is now, it's come for us to have our hearts aligned for what matters most in this world and keep our eye on the main thing amidst voting on issue one, amidst the war in Israel, amidst what's going to come next and after that, that our hearts are aligned for what matters most to Jesus. See, we're taking a break in this series that we've been in, the seven churches of Revelation. And God knows what He's doing, as we know. And He put a message on my heart this morning that's a fitting break in the series, because we've been talking about letters and words from God to the church. This morning, we're going to talk about words to God, for the church timely. Those letters that we're talking about happen at a time where they're getting basically evaluated, commended, criticized for how they're doing. Well, how they're doing it? what? How they're doing for the main thing, what's most important, where their hearts need to be for, what their hearts need to be for. Roughly 60 to 65 years before those letters, we have a prayer from Jesus that says exactly what the church is here for. The main thing, what matters most. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we take a break in the series. A fitting break. Why is it important? Well, it's important, one, because of the world around us right now, like we just gave several examples of. It's important because they were in a time where prayer was of the utmost importance. There was going to be tribulation. There was going to be things. They were in the world, not of the world. And that was tough. That was going to be hard. That's why it's important. We are in that same boat in the world, not of the world, at a time where it's important. Lives are at stake. Eternal destinies are at stake. It's that important. And another reason it's important, is like Brother Jim said this morning, this congregation knows the importance of prayer. We know who to talk to. If you, have, if you want to buy a new house, who do you talk to? A realtor. If you have a plumbing problem with a water heater, who do you talk to? A plumber. We know who to go to talk to for things. If you have a health issue, you talk to a doctor. Well, we have world issues and we have our own heart issues. And there's only one person we can go talk to and it's God. That's what Jesus did. He knew who to talk to. That's what we do. We know who to talk to. That's what we're going to talk a lot about this morning. Our focus scripture is going to be John 17 on page 1128. John 17 on page 1128. And I'll just get straight to the point. It's going to be a lot about the Gospel. Because that's what it's all about. I'll go, ahead and spoil, I'll go ahead and spoil some points for you, okay? If you got your fill-ins, we're going to break this into three sections. Jesus prays for Himself. Jesus prays for His own. And Jesus prays for His church. You'll see that that's three of your fill-ins. Jesus prays for himself, Jesus prays for his own, and Jesus prays for the church. Under each one of those sections, we're going to draw a point after I read them. Obviously, we could have many points, but we're going to have one point for each that God put on my heart. And then there's that main point, which I kind of already gave you the spoiler of. You can write it in if you want. There's going to be the main thing that it's all about, every bit, every detail of it. As we get into this prayer, I like to call the Lord's Prayer. I know when we, we just sang the Lord's Prayer, and Matthew 6 is the Lord's Prayer that our Bibles refer to. And that's Jesus, like Brother Dan said, Brother, teaching the disciples how to pray, a model for them to pray. See, in that prayer, forgiveness is asked for, forgiveness of death. Jesus don't need forgiveness. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is the unblemished lamb, fully God, fully man. That's a model and a template to pray that he gives them. This is how you pray to his own so that they know how to pray. Pray to the Father in Jesus' name. He tells that in the upper upper room discourse. He tells them that. I'd like to read a couple quotes about this prayer, of how important this prayer is to people. Matthew Henry said, It is the most remarkable prayer following the most full and consoling discourse ever uttered on the earth. This is a prayer that Dr. Fisher, who was a bishop of Rochester under Henry VIII, he had this read at the last portion, as the last portion of his scripture just before he was martyred. Just before his martyrdom. That's how important this prayer was to him. John Knox. This is the prayer John Knox read over and over in his lifetime. And when he was on his deathbed, his wife asked him, where do you want me to re- re- uh, read? John replied, read where I first put my anchor down in the 17th chapter of John. That's how powerful this prayer is. People went to, thought of it when they were dying. People wanted it read. And like Matthew Henry said, with the consoling discourse, following it up, almost concluding it. It's a good way to look at concluding the upper room discourse because it kind of set the scene, the time of this prayer. Jesus in chapters 13 through 16 was in the upper room discourse. He was telling his disciples many things. He was talking about serving. He was talking about loving. He was talking about being one, being united. He was telling them He was going to leave them. He was going to be denied. He promised the Holy Spirit. All these things about how the disciples, what they were going to face, how they were going to live. He knew what was to come for them. And He knew what was to come for Him. I'll give you a quick example. Because as I read this prayer, you'll see where it just ties the whole upper room discourse right together. It concludes it so well. Right before Jesus is going to be arrested, Denied, tried, and died. Right before all of that, this is what's heavy on Jesus' heart. The most critical time when lives are at stake. His own life. He's going to go die on a cross for you and me, and this is what is the heart of Jesus. But let me give you an example. In the upper room discourse, you don't got to turn there, I'm going to read it. It's in John chapter 13. They were in the upper room, and it says, When he had gone out, speaking of Judas... Jesus said, "Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God has glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will also glorify Him in Himself, and glorify Him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek Me, and just as I said to the Jews, so I also say to you: Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you: That you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another." By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So you see glory in there. You see love in there. You see that they're going to be left alone in there, that he's leaving. You see all these things. You see you being united, being one, love for one another. You see all those things in there. And there's so many more things in the upper room discourse that he goes through. But I read that intentionally because as I read through this prayer this morning, where we get to peek into the heart of Jesus, his words to God, directly to God the Father. You're going to notice a lot of those things I just said. Glory, love, unity. You're going to see what's at the heart. And it all points to the gospel, to the mission. That's what it's going to be. And this is easy for us to get on board with this morning. Because just let me ask you, have you ever had somebody do something for you that impacted you so much in your life? Maybe you were in a financial need and they gave you money. Really got you out of a situation. Maybe they walked through you walk with you through a situation that was hard, health problems, you were having a rough time in your life with something, they, somebody stood by you all the way and that impacted you, maybe they did that for you, or how about this, that light bulb moment, when all the pieces got put together for you, you learned this information about something, you finally got educated on it, and boom, the light bulb went off, that's what it's all about, I can make the right choice now, I know what I need to do. It impacted your life. These situations like that. Or how about this last one? You learned something about something, and it touched your heart so much that you invested in it. You wanted to learn more about it. For me, that was the Holocaust, the Titanic, Pearl Harbor. All those were these big issues. Why did they touch my heart, I asked myself. It's because lives were at stake. It was serious. It impacted me. Brother and sister, whenever, whatever that example was for you to get you tuned in and on board this morning, somebody that impacted your life, you learned about something that impacted your life, the light bulb went off in your life, this prayer is all three of those in one. Because Jesus Christ died for you. He prayed for you. What other impact can you have than that? If that don't make the light bulb go off, I don't know what will. If that don't motivate us and fire us up, I don't know what will. See, we're going to learn more about his prayer this morning. And it's going to impact us because lives are at stake. Their lives were at stake. His life was at stake. Today, lives are at stake. It's easy. And all your eyes are focused on me very well right now. We're tuned in. This is important. This is what it's at the heart of Jesus Christ himself at a time when it mattered most. Do our hearts align with that? So I gave you, I got you on board. We set the scene. I told you how we're going to approach this with the three sections and the three points. So as I read John 17, I ask you, stay really tuned in. If you don't have a Bible and you're listening to me, listen well. If you're going through the Bible, work, let God work on your heart. Draw things out of this. Look for repetition. Look how how many times Jesus says the same thing in this prayer. Because really, he has one main thing in mind as he prays it. John 17, page 11, 28. When Jesus had spoken these things, these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And we're going to stop right there. Because in verses 1 through 5, glory is mentioned five times. The first point that we're going to make under Jesus prayed for himself is the glory of God was at the heart of Jesus in prayer. The glory of God was at the heart of Jesus in prayer. Five verses... Five times glory is mentioned. And notice, don't miss this. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. He's praying for himself, but he's praying for himself in a way that points to God the Father. All the glory to God. Do we pray like that? Do when I pray for myself and I pray for healing, if I pray for my healing of my broke leg, my broke heart, whatever in my life, Am I praying in a way to be specific like Jesus is of why I'm praying? Glorify me, he said, that I may glorify you. I'm going to read this one more time because I want you to see something really pop out at you, okay? Look for the you and the your when I read this, okay? Notice how many times he says you and your. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh he give eternal life to whom you have given him. And this is their eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. You, your. He's given glory to God the Father in everything that he prays for himself. I accomplished the mission that you sent me to do. See, do I pray for myself in that way, of how I'm living my life? Am I being detailed as to why? God, heal my broken legs so that I can walk to church, so I can walk to people and share the gospel with them. Heal my head so I can think clearly about how to share the gospel with other people. Heal me from cancer, if that's in your will, so that I can point to you how mighty and powerful my God is. Do I pray like that? See at work, the full-time job I have, we have this thing called the MPS score. And what it is is we do our job, and then we get this feedback, kind of like the church in this series where we're getting this feedback, this report on how they were doing of what they were supposed to do. Well, this report I get at work is how I'm doing my job and what I'm supposed to do. Do every detail of my job, this report goes to the company of how I'm doing. And when I think of this, I think of that. I think that report for some reason, brings in mind how I represent my company, how I reflect my company. The name of my company, how do I reflect it? How do I represent it? See, how I live my life and the report for me in eternity and my mission on this, on this earth that God has put me here to do, what if I got a report on that? How am I reflecting the name of God? How am I representing the name of God? Is all, everything pointing to the glory of God in my life? How are you praying when you pray for yourself? Are you pray, praying specific? God, here's why I'm asking Why I'm asking you. My job situation is tough. I'm asking about my job so I can use my job to glorify you in it. All things to glorify God. All things to advance the gospel. Notice the gospel in that first section. What did he say? I did what you sent me to do. I gave eternal life. And eternal life is that they know you, the one true God, and me whom you have sent. The gospel is in the first section as well. The gospel is going gospel's to be in the second section. It's going to be in the third section. That's what it's all about this morning. Let's move on to verse 6. I'll give you the point now. You'll see it as we read. Under Jesus prayed for His own, the point is the unity, sanctification, and security of Christ's followers was at the heart of Jesus in prayer. The unity, sanctification, and security of Christ's followers was at the heart of Jesus in prayer. Here's where I really want you to look for the repetition as I read this too and what sticks out. Because we could have so many points with this, but we're just going to use what God has placed on my heart this morning. Verse 6, I have manifested your name. He says, I have made clear your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the word that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. There's more of the gospel. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He says right there, he says, right now I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for my own. He says, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. I am no longer glorified in the world. And here you go. Here's where you'll start to see a lot of it, of the point. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. There's your unity. There's your security. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. There's your security again. And none of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here's your sanctification. Sanctify them in the truth, And what is truth? Read the next four words. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. There's the gospel. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. There's your sanctification again. How did Jesus pray for his own? He prayed for unity. He prayed for security. He prayed for sanctification. How do I pray for you? Do so I pray for you, my brothers and sisters, just to heal you, just to, for you to get better and have a happy life? And absolutely, those are great requests. Those are good prayers. But I need to pray for you detailed as to why. Because you are children of God. And we are sent as Jesus Christ was sent. We are sent to advance the gospel. The healthier you are, the better you can do that. I want you healed in the will of God so that you can advance the gospel. That is why we're here. Jesus said the hour had come. He was getting ready shortly after that to say, it is finished. I asked some of us this morning, is it finished? Are some of us not doing what we're called to do because we're comfortable? We want to stay in our lane. Is it finished? Because one day we want to be able to say, it is finished. How do I pray for you? Do I pray for you with the true purpose that God has put you here to do? The eternal prayer for you or the temporary prayer for you? temporary healing. Now, I want you to make an eternal impact. That's how Jesus prayed for his own, and he prayed that they are united. When I think of unity, I think of my dad when I was growing up. He'd always tell me these stories about paintball, and he was in this war, and they were were on the same team, but they had to go through valleys. They had to go through mountains. They had to work together. They had to sweat. They had to communicate. It wasn't easy. Sometimes they felt like they had to crawl literally. They They felt like they were crawling, Sometimes they had to run over a mountain. But if they all worked together, if they all did their part, they captured the flag. They won the flag. They won the war. See, I think of us as a church being united. Sometimes we feel like we're crawling. You know, we feel like, God, what are you doing? We're not moving. Sometimes we feel like we're running. There's times in our life we know God's working our life. We're motivated. We're on fire for the Lord. We're running over the mountains. See, i got to do my part, even when I don't like it. It may take some sweat. It may take some crawl. It may take some running. But we have people to capture. See, for us, it's not a flag. It's people. We have already won the war because Jesus Christ died for our sins. But the work is not done. We're in the game. We're in the war. We need to capture the people. That's unity. That's being as one. That's what we do together. The more we work as a team, as a family, the more we win. And that's what we're here to do is win. And how do I pray for you as my own? How did Jesus pray for his? Sanctification, what word? When I pray for my family, those God put in my life that I influence, like Jesus influenced his disciples, when I pray for you as the church, my own, my own family, am I praying for you to be in the word, to grow a heart and a hunger for the word so much, to be so tuned into this message that this is God's word to you? Is that my prayer to you? That this is what's most important to them is sanctification. Keep setting them apart. Keep making them holy. Keep maturing them. Fulfill what you're working in them. That's how we pray for our own. Unity. Sanctification. Security. God is our safety. He keeps us secure. We know that. That's prayer for our own. It's very important. And then the last. We're going to read the last section. is going to be verses... Uh, Well, the rest, it's 20 through 26 is what it'll be. And that last point I'll go ahead and give you under Jesus prayed for his church is the mission of the church and the love of the church was at the heart of Jesus in prayer. The mission of the church and the love of the church was at the heart of Jesus in prayer. Draw that out as I read this section. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Like Brother Jim said this morning, Look at that. Jesus is praying for you and me right here. The gospel was spread and it reached you and me. He is saying a prayer shortly before he is arrested, tried and died for you. If that isn't the most impactful event in your life, we need a true alignment this morning. He prayed for you. He said, I do not ask for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. There's more unity, more being one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that, here's the gospel, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Here's the gospel again. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Love of the church. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father. And earlier you heard Jesus refer to him as O oh, holy Father. See, that O oh, holy Father and this O oh, righteous Father is the only time it's used in scriptures when Jesus is praying to God the Father. O Holy Father, O righteous Father, he says, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The love of the church, a love like that, a love like Jesus. Brother and sister, we are loved love more than we could ever be loved, more than we could ever fathom. We can't even comprehend it. Just like the quotes, this, this prayer can't even be comprehended all the way. And we're just touching the tip of the iceberg in this prayer, obviously. There's so much in this prayer, we could do a whole series on it. But this is what God placed on the heart, is to take a break in this series and talk about what mattered most to Jesus Christ for the church. If we got a letter today, what would it say about us as a church? What would our commendation be? What would our criticism be? How great is it that our commendation could be, you advance the gospel? What mattered most to Jesus Christ, what was on his heart, that's what your church was aligned with. See, that's one of that's our mission statement, is gospel transformation in, in and around the world. Our core values is, are to know, to grow, and to go. See, the most important thing is advancing the gospel so others will know and to grow as believers ourselves. Sanctification, continue to mature, continue to be set apart and made holy. That's what it's all about. Jesus prays for the church like that. Are we on mission? See, this mission and this love, sometimes it's not easy. See, I think of my daughter. She just got done running a race, Anastasia, my oldest daughter. She just ran this marathon, okay? It was a race. She did not want to do it. She was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, and trust me, she did not want to get up at 4.30 in the morning. She started off not even being able to run a mile. She ended up, last weekend, that's why we weren't here actually, last weekend we went down to support her, as she ran 13.1 miles in the Columbus Marathon. She finished the race. It was hard, it wasn't easy, but she ran the race. She fought the fight. And when she was done, she could say, it is finished. She, that was her mission. We have a mission. It's to run the race. It's to fight the fight. And when we're done, we can say, it is finished. And it's going to be uncomfortable. We're going to have to do things we don't want to do. We're going to have to run hard. We're going to have to endure. We're going to have to work up to it, just like she did. But one day, we'll finish the race and say, it is finished. That's our mission for the church. You see the gospel in all three of those sections. And you can tell it's heavy on my heart right now, because I know we are getting ready to vote on issue one. I know the war, Israel is at war. We find our glory in Jesus Christ. That's where our hope comes from. Praise God for that. And it's heavy on my heart because Jesus said at the beginning of this prayer, the hour has come. He knew His time had come. Our hour has come. The time is now for us to advance the gospel. Clearly, you can see from this prayer in just roughly 30 minutes that Jesus was all about the mission of the church, the growth of the church, the maturity of the church. Lives are at stake. That's what matters most. That's what we're here to do. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, you have those moments. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in coincidence. I think I believe in reason. There's a reason things happen. And as I was preparing this sermon, I got permission from my wife, Donna. Many of you know Donna. Um, this wasn't comfortable for her by any means, but she gave me permission to read something near and dear her heart because I was preparing this sermon. She had no idea what I was preparing, no idea. And we were sitting in the living room, and she asked if she could share her journal with me. It had been months since she shared a journal with me. So I said, absolutely. Sometime. And what this journal is, it's, it's a here journal. And what you do is you highlight, you explain, you apply, and you respond. See, you read a section of Scripture You highlight, you write a verse that God placed on your heart. Then you explain that verse. Then you apply that verse. And then you respond to that verse with your heart, with a prayer, whatever it may be, whatever God places on you. So I said, yeah, babe, sure, uh, read that. As soon as she got done reading, I said, wow. Kind of like I opened this sermon with, wow. I said, wow, I have to read that. I have to read that tomorrow. Is that okay if I do that? And she was hesitant, but she said yes. Because this is what it's all about. How I said at the beginning, God just works things out. I want to read this to you. She was reading Acts 26 verse 29. The verse says this, I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. So then she explains this verse. She says, during his testimony... Paul calls on King Agrippa's belief in the prophets to try to win Agrippa over for Christianity. King Agrippa then asks Paul if he thinks this is going to work so easily or quickly. Then Paul replies, he don't care how it happens as long as faith is the end result. And that was his wish for everyone. Then she applies this verse. She says, we know from Paul's teachings that he understood election and God's authority over salvation. He also understood that human power has no part in salvation, but that God's purpose was for man to spread the gospel. So knowing this, that is exactly what Paul did. He worked for every soul, and he didn't care that it worked or how easy, how hard, how slow, how fast it was, as long as the end result was faith. This is the true heart of an evangelist. Is this our heart's? Are we willing to work hard spreading the gospel and do whatever it takes? Or do we shy away from our God-given purpose because we fear the world and what they will think? How fitting for the sermon. This was her response. Father, you already know that in the past I have been one too shy away despite my belief in your son. But by your power, you are working in my life to be more bold in my stance for you. Lord, I ask that you would continue to work in me to bring that boldness and hunger to share your gospel. That you would help me to recognize when and with who and give me the right way and words to bring others to faith. All for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. So fitting for the sermon. Applies so much. That's the heart. That's the heart of our church. That's the heart of a child of God. That's what it's all about. I hope this morning... Even if you believe in Jesus Christ, it was a simple, I considered it a simple message this morning that was just to the point of what it's all about. Like sometimes we need to hear. Simple, to the point. Why are we here? I hope for some of you, this aligns you. You're like, you know what? I do. This is what it's all about. I got to get my eye back on the main thing. I got to use every bit of me, every part of my soul, To advance the gospel. That's what I'm here for. That's what it's all about. And if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you just heard this morning. Jesus prayed earlier in that prayer. He did not pray for the world, he prayed for his own. But later he said, I pray for those that will believe. If you don't believe, you're of the world and you're not saved. You don't have eternal life. But if you believe, if you believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, had an earthly ministry, did what he was sent to do. And he told us what that was this morning. So people would know the one true God and know Jesus Christ whom he he had sent. To believe in them. Like Brother Jim said earlier, knowing is one thing. Knowing in a way that you believe it. Accept it. Repent of your sins. You live it. That's believing. If you do that this morning, then Jesus prayed for you because you believe through the gospel that He died for your sins. You relieve, then you repent. You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, knowing that He rose from the dead and conquered sin and death for you. And that one day, like Brother Chris said, He's going to return again. And He's going to do what He prayed in verse 23. We are going to be with Him. We are going to share His glory. We are going to behold His glory one day. That's our joy. And God's Word in that Upper Room Discourse, He also said one thing I want to read as we close in prayer. Because He was in the Upper Room Discourse when He said this. It was chapter 15, verse 16 and 17. He tells His disciples, You did not choose Me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we just love one another like this. That we go bear fruit. We don't talk the game. We walk it. We live it. That's what we're here to do. And as we close in prayer, I want to pray how Jesus commands us to pray. Pray to the Father. And we ask in Jesus' name with the help and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray.